Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Today's show is all about storytelling because Kurt Sandoval's coming on at 8.15. And it made me think all week about the worlds that I love, the world of art. I'm a sculptor. The world of sports. I'm a huge Laker fan. So great to see LeBron James back. Art, sports, surgery. They're all connected to me. So when I knew Kurt Sandoval would be my guest... The storyteller in sports. It made me think all week, where am I going to find storytelling? How do you become a storyteller? Are you just born that way? Do you acquire the talent? Can that even be possible? In my lifetime, two prominent storytellers, one in art, one in sports, really influenced me big time. One of them is still alive. The other has since passed away. In art, Casey Kasem. Here you're going to hear Casey Kasem talk about a country western star. Okay, I have no idea who this lady is. You probably have no idea who this lady is. But doesn't matter. Because when he starts telling you she grew up on a farm, the family sang hymns, and then he plays the song that's on the radio, he just draws you in. He's a phenomenal storyteller, but he actually did not start out that way. He didn't know he had that gift. In sports growing up in New York, my favorite sportscaster, he's still alive. He's still doing it. He's 80 million years old. Warner Wolf still works with Don Imus, I think. But he will tell you, I knew I wanted to do this since I was seven. They both are phenomenal storytellers, but they came to it at different points in their lives. You got to hear Casey Kasem. Again, this is a country star. I have no idea. I don't even care. I just love listening to him. Now, our country spotlight song of the week. It's by a woman who got her start in the music business singing radio station call letters. Mm. Janie Fricky grew up in a musical family. After a hard day working on the farm, their 400-acre farm near South Whitney, Indiana, the Fricky family would gather around the piano and sing hymns. And even after Janie left the farm to attend the University of Indiana, she continued to sing just for friends. Well, this love for singing paid off. During a summer vacation, she got a job with an agency that recorded radio station call letters. And that led to work as a backup singer and commercial jingle singer. And finally, as a successful soloist. In our country spotlight, here's Janie Fricky with her third top ten hit, Do Me With Love. How he raises his voice, lowers his voice, speeds up his voice, slows it down. It's like a musical instrument. That's what storytelling is, using your voice like a guitar, like a musical instrument. Here's Mike Douglas, my mother's favorite guy to watch on TV while she was knitting with her friend Florence Gottlieb. I just have such fond memories of watching these two Jewish yentas 
talking about their kids. And I had to make sure I was like such a vance. I had to make sure that she was only talking about me and not anybody else. Ugh, growing up, it was great. But they would watch the Mike Douglas show. Here's Mike Douglas interviewing Casey Kasem and saying, how did this all start? How did it start? Who first discovered that voice that it had something special? Well, you know, I never considered that I had any kind of voice at all. As a matter of fact, I sort of had to overcome a handicap when I was a kid. I, I was a sound effects man. Whenever they put a, a crew together, yeah. and they say, well, now, Casey, you do sound because you don't have a voice. You know, you've got a, a younger person's voice. So as I grew up in, in radio and in school, that's what would happen. Then I uh, was lucky enough to recognize that that young person's voice that I had, and not that big, booming, mellow voice, became really the door opener because I started doing young voices on the Lone Ranger show. And then as my voice uh, got a little bit older, it developed into 25 year olds and I started playing character parts on that show on the radio as in its waning days back in Detroit. So he is using his voice as a voiceover. That he realizes he has a skill. Then he gravitates to being a DJ, just spinning records. But that's still not storytelling. He still hasn't discovered that creativity yet. How does that get going? He's been called the most listened to voice in America. By any standard, Casey Kasem is a voiceover superstar. You've got one of the most unique voices in the business. Almost everybody can pick out Casey's voice. When you hear your own voice now, do you like it? Or would you rather be bozo profundo? If I played for you what I sounded like on the radio as a disc jockey when I was the number one disc jockey in Detroit, you would never think that I, I had a career in radio. Because it's a, it's a journey. That's what each of us have. It's a journey. I didn't pop out of my mom's womb, an orthopedic surgeon. It's a journey. I listen to that and I say, why did they keep me? I think I know why, though. I worked hard. And what I lacked in talent, what I lacked in experience, uh, I tried to make up for with hard work. From Hollywood, it's America's number one pop music show. Casey's hard work has paid off, to the point where today, he's expanded his top 40 into a hit television show, America's Top 10. Yeah, but how did he become that famous? It's because he became a storyteller. How did he become a storyteller? Listen to this. It's by a woman who's taught big stars like David Bowie and Bette Midler how to move on stage. Her name is Tony Basil. Tony was born in Philadelphia. Her mother. The key to both of these programs is known as the bio tease, where Casey simply talks about the artist. Ironically, the idea for this bio tease wasn't even his. When he was the number one disc jockey in San Francisco, his program manager changed the format of the show. Spotlight this week. Here's Tony Basil with Mickey. So what do you want me to do? I said I'm number one. What do you want me to do? He said, Tell you what. He said, Why don't you just talk about the the artists. I said, what does that mean? That night, three hours later, I walked in and wedged in the door of the studio while Emperor Hudson, Bob Hudson, was on the air, was a big trash barrel. And on top of all of the news copy that they'd thrown out for the day, looking right at me, I couldn't have missed it, was Who's Who in Popular Music 1962. Now, I was walking into, I'd walked into that studio if I hadn't seen that, and I would have just been giving time and temperature. I picked it up, and that's how American Top 40 was created. He became a storyteller.
so much later in the game, discovered this skill set, this talent, and honed its craft because of hard work and perfection. Doing it with quality from the very beginning, technically, and the writing, and to the point where it was almost ridiculous. Uh, for instance, when we first started our show, you won't believe this, and people in broadcasting will appreciate this, we did the radio show to real time. Otherwise, we went 20 minutes before, and if I made a mistake in the first 15 minutes, we went back and did again. it again. And I said, now this has got to be ridiculous. <laughs> there has to, but that's how, that's how important it was that we do it technically correct. He would spend hours on just a single word. And the writing, why we've had meetings, uh, script meetings that have lasted for hours and hours and hours, just talking about a single word or a paragraph or an entire story that might that might step on someone's toes, that wasn't quite positive enough or it might reflect unfavorably on someone. And it makes it difficult for us to do a show that way, but in the long run when people say they listen and they listen because the show is credible and uh, they feel that what I'm saying is true, it makes us feel good. Mm, the great Casey Kasem. What about in my life in sports? A storyteller, raising the voice, lowering the voice, spreading out the words, adding the biology, or I should say the biography of the player. Growing up in New York, the local sportscaster who just brought a smile to my and everybody else's face. His name was Warner Wolf, and he's still alive and still doing it. Listen, an example of him doing the 6 o'clock news, that five-minute segment, but how he brings such joy to the story. Now, this is 17-year-old Boris Becker of West Germany serving top of your screen. And as Yared at the bottom. Now, Yared won the first set. Becker won the second set. They were tied in the third set, 1-1. When the rains came, suspended, they will continue tomorrow. So Curran will play the winner of tomorrow's Becker-Yared match, while, of course, Chris and Martina meet again for the fifth time in the last eight years. Well, in case you didn't stay up till 4 o'clock this morning, the Mets made it four in a row last night, beating the Braves 16-13 to in 19 innings. Uh, can you imagine how many husbands told their wives they were going to the ball game at 7.30? Didn't get back till after 4 a.m. <laughs> He's making the other sports, or anchors, I should say, they're his audience, making them laugh, knowing that all of us that are watching him and listening to him are also laughing. He brought flavor. He brought spice to just a mundane who won, who lost. No, that Mets game. Can you imagine all those husbands? How did it start for him? It's different than Casey Kasem. He became Casey Kasem, a storyteller, because the producer said, you should tell stories. But Warner Wolf, at seven years old, knew he was a storyteller. Warner Wolf is there. How you doing, Warner? Good. Having fun, still. Still. After, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. It says 35 years, but then it says you've been no, doing it for more than that. 50. 60. I, that's not possible. Oh, yeah. April Fool's Day, 1961. 60. Where were you? Started. How did it happen? Oh, Pikeville, Kentucky. I had graduated college, American University, got out of the service, finished the service, and I knew this is what I wanted to do. I had known for you know, since I was seven. I used to listen to every radio show there was. For all of you listening, how do I break into whatever business? This is how he broke into a business that you can't break into. Listen to how Warner Wolf made it happen. Every sports event. And there, when, really, there was no television, or if you can imagine that. So 
I put an ad in Broadcasting Magazine and said, uh, a college graduate, military obligation fulfilled, uh, money, not the object. So we'll travel. So I got these three uh, answers, Pikeville, Kentucky, uh, Miami, Ohio, not Florida. Got it. And uh, uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. So I said, well, I've got to decide. They're interested. Oh, I said, no experience, professional. Anyway, <laughs> one guy calls me from Pikeville. He says, if you come down here, I'll teach you everything. I'll give you the whole business. He says, I just have two questions. Yes, sir. <laughs> he says, do you drink? And have you ever been in jail? <laughs> so That's the criteria. Yeah, that was it. So I said, well, uh, you know, I have a beer once in a while, but I've never been in jail. Just boom, you're hired. <laughs> Listen to how he checked the weather for the weather report. And the man kept his word. I was the uh, sportscaster, the newscaster, yeah. the disc jockey. Uh, we did obituary shows. Uh, I was the morning guy, as usual, when you start yep. out. The way we checked the weather was... You'd go out in the back, and there would be this ruler, and you'd measure uh, the rainfall. So you'd tell them how much, you know. But it was great. And I had to change my name, too, by the way. You did? Yeah. It was he, not Warner Wolf? No. Listen to this. He's in a town of 5,000, and he changed his name. So now when people yell out, hey, Warner, he doesn't turn around because he thinks they're calling someone else. He said, Warner. He's, what is this? He says, nobody. I never heard of the name. I said, wait a minute. Warner Brothers. Uh, Warner Baxter was an old... That's right, we were not in New York. Uh, yeah. No, he says, I want you to go home and get a name. I came back and I said, how about Robin? <laughs> he says, Robin? That's a girl's name. I said, no. I said, Robin Roberts, you never heard of the picture? No. So I came back. I said, I got one. Jay. He said, what do you mean, Jay? I said, J-A-Y. Jay Wolf. No, he said, it sounds like the letter. He says, give me another name. Came back. I said, how about Ken? That's it. Ken? Ken. Ken what? Ken Wolf. Ken Wolf. Get out of no. here. No, so for uh, Get out a year, I was Ken Wolf. And you had to walk down the street because <laughs> Pikeville, there were only 5,000 people then. Guy would yell out, and everybody knows who you are in a small town. Right. Hey, Ken. I keep walking because I thought I was talking to somebody else. Well, let me you tell know. you something. Here in uh, New York, uh, we're right outside uh, 66th and Broadway. The Tish WNT Studios. Warner Wolf, they don't yell out Ken. They yell out Warner. <laughs> and they also yell out, give me a break. That's right. Or they yell out, let's, let's go, go to the videotape. Video yeah. He's known for let's go to the videotape. How did it happen? Listen to this story. All right, I got to do this because we yeah, got an sure. eight-minute segment here. Yeah. Uh, what did you do? Which one did you do first? Oh, uh, let's go to the videotape. Came what from. year? What was the circumstance? Oh, 1968. I'm working at WTOP Television in Washington. Right. Before I, you come to New York, because that's where oh, you're big yeah, first. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. I, I was in radio eight years before I was ever on television and 15 years in the business before yep. I ever came to New York. So one night, I'm doing the 11 o'clock news, and there's we used to get film. There wasn't a lot of videotape. You'd get film highlights from the 11 o'clock feed, we used to call it, the syndication. So there's a basketball game, and I said, I used to give the normal cues, you know. Oh, take a look at this. You know, here's uh, Kareem, uh, and, or here's Wilt, and nothing happens. And the camera's still on me. I said, well, you, you got to see this, and <laughs> nothing. So finally I said, hey, let's go to the videotape. Boom, <laughs> comes up. Notice how in telling this story, 
to shorten it, he uses the names of an athlete where you know them only by one name. He doesn't say Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He knows how precious each word is in telling the story. And listen to the interview with this high-pitched question. Hey, what about this? And then you hear Warner Wolf deflect it, and his voice goes down. He knows how to use a voice as an instrument. After the show, the uh, producer, Ernie Bauer, says, that was great. He says, I was doing 10,000 things, but when I heard you say, let's go to the videotape, boom, punch it up. He said, do it tomorrow night. That's where it was born. That's how it happened, kept doing it. So it was just by accident. I got to tell you something. Every time I'm here and I say, let's go to the videotape, I'm going, wow, I'm stealing Warner right here. Everybody does it. Oh, that's fine. It's beautiful. Everybody does it. All right, coming up next, we're going to learn all about someone who I think does it the best. What a pleasure to listen and watch him on ABC Sports. He's my favorite, the great Kurt Sandoval. He'll be my guest. Coming up next here on the Weekend Warriors Show on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow, your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Ed Sedano, you know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So excited. Marvin Gaye, someone Casey Kasem loved talking about. But I'm excited because I'm joined now by one of my favorite sportscasters here in Los Angeles, the great Kurt Sandoval. Kurt, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Well, Dr. Clapper, thank you. I'm, I I feel like I should say longtime listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Love your show. I'm, you know I'm into this sports. I know. Uh, I know. Exercise physiology talk, and you're, no one's better than you. Oh, thank you. You love the Clapper vision, and I so much enjoyed coming on the show, except I apologize again. Zoom and putting the skeleton in front of my face. Next time, I'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Zoom world. We all, we all get it. I can't, you know, listen, Michelangelo is dead 500 years. I can't talk to him and ask him questions, but I can ask you, the Michelangelo of sportscasting, <laughs> I can ask you questions that I've always wanted to know. When you listen to how Casey Kasem, a storyteller, had a producer say, hey, you should tell stories, and then became a storyteller, versus Warner Wolf, who said, I knew I wanted to be a storyteller in sports from the time I was seven. Tell us about you. Is it something you acquired? Did you know you wanted to do this since you were a kid? Close. I, um, my father was a, an athletic director and a coach, and my mom worked in, was a nurse for years and then became a director of health education. 
So between those two, I was around sports and training and athletics quite a bit. Hmm. And I never really thought about it in, in high school. You know, what do I want to be? Because I still had visions of grandeur of being an athlete. Hmm. And then by the time you're, you know, a junior, senior in high school, you realize I, I will not be playing collegiately. I played a freshman year of tennis. Um, but other than that, um, I knew going to college, I had made the decision, I'm going to be a sports writer because I want to, I just love sports and I want to be around sports. In my freshman year at college at University of Northern Colorado, I took a video editing class and that's where the storytelling changed. I, my brother, who to this day is a, a graphics artist designer, he had all the art talent my sister did. Mm. Um, my brother was an elite, elite cross country runner. Mm. And I just felt like, you know, I tapped into something in the, the element of storytelling of being able to tell a story and being creative through videotape to this day, even at ABC seven, I still edit most all of my own stuff, a uh, good mm. 75, 80% of it, because I love the editing process and, and being able to tell stories through videotape. It's it's like asking you, you know, which is your favorite child? Do you have a favorite story over this beautiful career that you've had that really touches you the most? Um, is it a quiet story that people would never have heard that you brought to life? Or was it Kirk Gibson and Vince Scully? What Could you kind of talk to us about the subtle stories that became great and the great stories that you love to enhance? I, I, for me personally, um, two things come to mind. Number one, I love inspiring people. Um, I'm a very spiritual man and, and I just kind of believe God puts these stories in my lap. Hmm. And, and there's a young man that I met when I'd only been here a year named Rudy Garcia Tolson. Hmm. And he was, uh, a young eight year old boy who, you know, now is 30 years old. And he's a double amputee. And I met him at a triathlon. Hmm. And I'm like, this kid is amazing. And I followed him quite a bit. Um, and I just love his story because he inspires without trying to inspire. Hmm. And when you see a young man like that, you know, who's, who has no legs, he's eight years old. And when he was four, he made the decision to tell his parents just, cut off both legs. I can't do what I want to do. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and now he goes on and he's one of the most decorated Paralympic athletes ever. Huh. Um, that, that's really the first thing. And honestly, the second one, Dr. Clapper is even though I've been very blessed at ABC seven to, I came here the same day Phil Jackson was hired by the Lakers. Wow. And so I got to go through the Shaq and Kobe era. I got to go through, you know, USC with Pete Carroll, saw the Angels win, obviously the Dodgers. You know, I've got to do so much. My favorite story of all time is the Little League World Series when Huntington Beach won. Um, <laughs> because I know, because you're just, it's so raw and so, it was like Field of Dreams out there. Wow. And then Huntington Beach wins. It was it was outside the box, for sure. Do you actually see the use of your voice raising your tone, lowering your tone, 
spreading out the words, each word multiple syllables or a single syllable. Do you see your voice as a musical instrument? Yeah, and and it's interesting when when I was listening to the previous segment, I was you reeled me in on that because that's exactly what it is. And sometimes people say you have a nice voice. It it wasn't always this way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like everything else in life that you do multiple times when you started as a surgeon compared to how you are as a surgeon now and things that you can see and do and you just hone your skill. Um, and sometimes you get, you know, in a hurry and you realize that sometimes a whisper is the strongest thing. Sometimes saying nothing is the strongest thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, there was a point in the late eighties, early nineties, the, you know, uh, Keith Oberman kind of era, with um and a lot of guys you know would use various cliches and i just didn't want to be that i wanted to be a storyteller and mm. i tell people i'm not a good reader i'm not mm. um there are much better anchors than me but if i can tell the story because i witnessed it or i was there then you're just talking what you know from your heart and from your you know spirit, your soul, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and that's when I always find out. That's when my instrument is working the best. I, I live in a world where they're always saying doctors burn out. You live in a, a world, in your world, they burn out, whatever that means. I, I don't really get it because I see the excitement. So I want to play a soundbite, and for you, I'd love to know what you hear. I had a professor who told me the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. Talking to someone like you, Kurt Sandoval, my ears don't hear what my mind doesn't know. So tell us what you hear when you listen to Warner Wolf, and it's actually 60 years, not 50 years. But after 50 years, I'm curious. How are you still as passionate as you are? Because you have not lost much. Oh, you, you have to be excited about it. You don't have to be. You choose well, to be. Well, my father uh, was a vaudevillian. And uh, one thing, he gave me a lesson. He said, you know, son, he said, there are no matinees. What he meant by that is, in the old days of vaudeville, you used to have a Wednesday matinees and Saturday matinees. You still do. And sometimes the big stars would say, yeah, I'm too sick, I can't show up on Wednesday, or they just go through the motions. He said, there are no matinees, and you don't know who's listening to you or watching you for the first time. I said, you're right. So every show, you gotta, you've got to get up. I mean, I mean, how long? Is, what are you, I mean, five minutes at best, you can't get up? You know, the people don't want to hear your problems. They have their own problems. So you, you, you take them away from anything that ails him for about five minutes. You never know who's watching. You know, so no. So, Kurt, I'm a surgeon. I'm a doctor. I, I'm in the healing business. I know what it's like when people are in pain, and I can relieve their pain and replace their hip and their knee. I, I just would love to know, listening to that soundbite, do you see yourself in the healing business as well, that you're taking someone away from what, is troubling them, and they get to see Kurt Sandoval, and you brighten their day? 
No question. And when I hear that and he says there's no matinees and I was thinking what I was seeing was a couple of things is my brother and, and I grew up in a family of four and there were three boys and a girl and my oldest brother, Chris was, um, I mean, at the time to date myself, he was Bob Greasy and I was Larry Zonka. And, <laughs> and we broke a lot of couches. You know, he's handing me the football and I'm diving over. Um, <laughs> and as I evolved into my career, I quickly realized I need to deliver the sports like I talked to my brother, Chris. Because, and this has been this way since we were kids to this week in the draft. And my brother still lives in Denver. And he's just so enthusiastic. Are the, are the Broncos going to get Justin Fields? You know? <laughs> and, and whenever I'm like, I got it. Someone is watching me. If I'm doing the Laker highlights or I'm doing the Sparks highlights or anything in between, there's someone out there that's just like my brother that he, they're counting on me to tell them something mm. that, I, that they don't know. Mm. And that's number one. And number two is that enthusiasm is just to have a, a grateful heart of your, your, we're living in a time and it's evolved, but news is always murder, death, kill. Right. Mm -hmm. And here comes the sports guy right. and yeah, put a smile on their face. Mm. Um, they, they've seen enough murder, death, kill all the issues with racial injustice and police officers. And just let's take a mental break and, that's how I kind of view it. And if I feel like if I can succeed by at the very end saying something, not that I'm a comedian because I'm not, but if I can say something that put a smile on the anchor's face at the end when it's warranted, mm -hmm. then I've done my job. I want to ask you a question about technique, but I want to do that. Can, can you stay on? I just I need to pay some bills. I just want to. Of course. A little bit left. Great. We're talking to the great Kurt Sandoval. A lesson in storytelling, whether it's art, sports, or in my world is surgery, you need that skill set, and you'll enjoy your life that much more. Coming up next, we'll get into it more with the great Kurt Sandoval. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Post. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Cool. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page page. Hi, it's Greeny. There's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show right here on 710. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. I go to the Church of the Surf every Sunday. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. And ride the wild surfing waves in Ventura. I just love it. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're talking to the great Kurt Sandoval and listening to music played by Casey Kasem. Kurt, you remember Casey Kasem. 
I do. Absolutely. One of the greatest storytellers ever. So listen to his technique. He, he didn't start out as a storyteller. He was a voiceover guy and became a DJ, and his producer says, you need to start telling a little bit about the artist. And it was kind of shocking to him, but he embraced it in his own hard work ethic, but he scripted it all. So listen to him talking. How did I ever get roped into this job? And I was there for two days, and Chuck Bloor, who's legendary in, uh, in broadcasting and in the commercial area, was the general program director for Kral Collier. And two days after I was there, he said, well, now you know you're going to write your show. I said, write my show? I said, write <laughs> the last what? one I, to know. I said, I do it all Im- Im- impromptu. I said, I improvise as I go along with the engineer and did little wild tracks and had maybe hundreds of little voices that I used. And I would just tell the engineer while the record was playing what we'd do. He said, no, you can't do that. You write it and hand the engineer a script, a four-hour script? That's the way we're going to do it. That was invaluable because it taught me that you can write and make it sound like it's it's unrehearsed. I heard that Keith Jackson used to keep little pieces of paper with little stories, tidbits in his breast pocket in case because there shouldn't be any dead time on the air. Tell us about the technical aspects and what you do to prepare for a show. And do you leave room for spontaneity? How do you do it, Kurt Sandoval? Boy, that Dr. Clapper, that's a great question. And and I appreciate that. And let me before I answer, I just have to tell your listeners, I so respect what you do. And and the reason I I love your show is because I'm so into sports science. But that that's a great question. Um, I, I will honestly. So first and foremost, everyone is different. And for me, I remember very early in my career, I would I consider myself a better writer than a reader. Hmm. So early in my career, it, you know, you, it's an art to learn to read what you wrote and sound conversational. Hmm. So a friend of mine told me very early, I was in Bakersfield and he says, you're not Tom Cruise, quit acting, just Hmm. make three bullet points. No one's going to know if you change it. So if I'm live, the only thing I have my three bullet points, hmm. but if I'm anchoring, I'm telling you, I am, I am not good if I don't rehearse it. And Dallas Rains, our weather guy, who's been doing weather for you know forty years at ABC Seven, hmm. he still rehearses, hmm. and he's a mentor for me. And when I get my scripts and I'm done writing, I need that five to seven minutes where I. I just know it. I just go mm. over it. And if you wrote it two hours ago and you didn't reread it, it's not going to come off natural. Mm. And, and having that enthusiasm. And again, I, I can't millions of times when I am trying to be enthusiastic, I'm, I'm thinking of my brother, Chris, like mm. he and I, when we talk sports, it's not a, it's not a passive conversation. It's a passionate conversation. Usually rolling um, over the back of the couch, uh, arm locks. <laughs> <laughs> With dad yelling that we broke the couch because because <laughs> we set up 12 pillows to hurdle. <laughs> so so uh, that's, that's for me kind of how I do it. And mm-hmm. then there's the other part of, of telling a story on tape when you're a writer and that's um, an editing and the technical side of that. And with digital technology, there's so much more you can do. And 
you have such an opportunity to really make a great impact as a writer. Anchoring, you you tend to get more exposure, mm. but you make your greatest impact as a reporter. Well, Kurt Sandoval, you are a crown jewel for all of us here in Los Angeles because of the, the empathy you have and, and the way that you tell that story. You can feel the passion. It's an intangible. You can't learn it. You got it, and we're so lucky to be able to watch you. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. You're the greatest. Hey, my pleasure. And, and I say this. I appreciate you dedicating so much time to this, but as a guy who's done a few triathlons in his career, and when I talk to you, and I really want your audience to know, last night when LeBron came back, that's all I'm thinking about is you. <laughs> and when, when AD came back, in 30 seconds I'll tell your audience, Dr. Clapper explained to me and to our viewers the difference between the two injuries and, and Anthony Davis having a non-contact injury and how the, the nerves in his foot, and, and it, right. it's, it was just fascinating. And I was like, Dr. Clapper's right on on this. <laughs> LeBron's going to be fine. Let's really keep a closer eye on AD. Yeah. I love your wisdom, and you take a very difficult element of – of the body and you make it really simple. So I thank you. Kurt, you made my day. You made our weekend. What a great way to launch the weekend talking to the great Kurt Sandoval. And please give my best to your wife because I'm the biggest fan since the days in San Diego. She's just, just fantastic for all of us here in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. You bet. Thanks. All right. The great Kurt Sandoval. What a pleasure. Married to the great Jeannie Gogo Zalasco. She's terrific. I could do a whole show just talking about that whole family. Amazing. All right, Warriors, the clinic's open. The number's 877-710-ESPN. Let's do some more Clapper Vision. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. I'll surely miss your tender kiss. Don't leave me this way. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar, and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. He's infectious, and I can say that because I'm a doctor. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Roberto Clapperio. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, you know who that is. That's an angel from above. That's the great Barbara Streisand. Nobody can do it better than her. Mm. The song is called Evergreen. A favorite of the great Casey Kasem. All right, let's do the clinic. The number's 877-710-ESPN. Let's go to San Diego. Brian, you're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, uh, Dr. Tito. Ah, <laughs> thanks for hanging on the line for a million years. That's amazing. 
Yo, know, my my battery's running low, so I'll just make this fast. Okay. A, a former colleague of yours at Peter Sinai, uh, Dr. Howard Wynn, has synopsized my knee condition oh. by saying it's a mess, having looked at both MRIs. Oh, wow. Howard Wynn, what a great doctor. We miss him terribly. He's he's uh, he's the best thing that's ever happened to me until you showed up. Um, oh, no, he's a great he, uh, doctor. I love that guy. And he's like a computer genius in the world of medicine. We relied on him heavily to bring computers to Cedars, and he was there at the forefront. I can never thank him enough because I was really not uh, so gifted. I still don't understand why you double-click, and I still don't understand why you right-click. I'm waiting for it to be voice-activated. But Howard Wynn, he held my hand. He taught me how to do all the electronic stuff. God bless him. Please tell him thank you and hello from me. I will. I, uh, since you're, you're a stranger to me, I'd like to send you a gift. I've got an exemplar of a, a new orthopedic fastener, and with your permission, I'd like to send it to your office. Yeah, Mike, by all means. I've got a chronic right knee, and uh, of course, my left knee isn't much better, but uh, in 2014, I got uh, CIDP, and my legs are all demyelinated, so it's mm. another complication. But huh. the impression for my right knee is severe tricompartmental uh, arthrosis, most notably affecting the lateral compartment with the reactive proliferative synovitis. And All right, then, you ready for some clapper vision? Sure. We're going to go to the 405 freeway. The 405, better known as the San Diego freeway, which is apropos because you're calling from San Diego, which is ridiculous yep. to talk about the San Diego freeway when you live in Los Angeles. Can't you just say you're going north or south? Do you have to say San Diego Freeway to San Diego and we're hundreds of miles away from it? But anyway, don't get me started. But Logic a road. It's somebody's existence, you know. Uh, exactly. A road, it, that black asphalt has a surface on it. That knee of yours has cartilage that coats the end of the bone. And there's a cushion inside that knee joint of yours, and there's motor oil inside that knee of, of yours. So the cartilage on the end of the bone gets not only cushioned by the rubbery cartilage called the meniscus, different than the cartilage on the end of the bone, but it also gets lubricated by the synovial fluid, which is like a motor oil. There are nutrients, you fight infection, there's all kinds of beautiful things that come about because of the viscosity, the thickness, the oiliness of that liquid, the synovial fluid, like the motor oil, which is why you have to get your oil changed every 5,000 miles. Same thing for our joints. When everything's healthy, that 405 freeway asphalt is as black like it's poured when it's brand new. We've all driven over roads when that asphalt, that black tar is fresh. It's awesome. Well... You ride back and forth on that surface for a little bit, and every once in a while, after a few years, you'll get a scratch in the surface. Um, you, I'm not talking pothole. I'm just talking that the gravel stuff, it's not that beautiful brand new stuff anymore. The cartilage on the end of your bone, because of the breakdown in the meniscus, because of the changes in the viscosity of the motor oil, the cartilage on the end of the bone, like the asphalt on the 405 freeway, starts to scratch a little bit. Just a scratch of the surface. The term mild 
arthritis is when even on the x-ray, we can't see that. But on an MRI, you will see the word chondromalacia. Chondro means cartilage in Latin. Malacia means badness. Can't see it on the x-ray, but you can see the scratching of the asphalt, the scratching of the surface on the MRI. That's the early changes of arthritis. What do you do for that? You stay away from surgery. You don't let them give you shots. You read the book, heal your knees. You do the pool. You do the bike and all the rest of it. What's the next kind of damage to the 405 freeway from just scratching the surface? A pothole. You can have a small little pothole. You can have a big pothole. But here's the key to potholes. When the pothole is by the curb of the 405 freeway, who cares? Who cares if there's a pothole where the cars don't ride? Same thing for your knee. Who cares if there's moderate arthritis, a pothole in the cartilage, if it's in the non-weight-bearing part of the joint? It's just, well, the, a, it's, the, it's just a finding. The, next paragraph, the okay? next paragraph of the impression says, chronically torn and degenerated lateral meniscus. Yep, 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 yep. So yeah, we're way be, you, When you said, Brian... That first word, severe, that's what I'm getting to right now. So you, the word moderate on an MRI report means we're talking potholes. But it's important for your doctor to look at that MRI and say, yes, you have a pothole, which makes a bump when your car goes over it, which causes pain and swelling in your knee when you use it. But if the pothole is in the non-weight-bearing portion of the joint, like the pothole is off to the side by the curb, it doesn't matter. This is still a knee worth saving. No surgery, no shots, get stronger. But when they use the term, and the radiologists are very careful with their words, when they use the word severe, like they did in your case, Brian, in San Diego, you know what that means? That means the whole road is shot. That means you you better go slow. You're going to ha- hear clunks, the springs, the shocks. Everything's going to rattle because you've got a dirt road now. You don't have just potholes. The whole road is shot. That's what's going on in your knee. So to have a conversation about the meniscus, who the hell cares about the brake pad when the rotor is cracked? Who cares what the <laughs> linoleum looks like if termites ate the floorboards? You are severe. They use sometimes the word advanced arthritis. Same thing as severe arthritis. When the 405 freeway has become a dirt road with giant ruts, you need to repave it. So I hate the word knee replacement. I prefer to use the word because it's 2021, not 1989 when I started in practice. I resurface people's knees. I don't replace them. You don't cut the muscle anymore. The patients go home the same day. It's amazing. Go to my website. Look at this woman riding a bicycle the day after I did her knee replacement, which is really not a replacement. It's the wrong word. I actually resurfaced her knee. I did not replace her knee. That's what you're headed for. No shots, no pills. Yes, get stronger. But with what you're describing, Brian, you're going to need an appointment either with someone good down in San Diego or you'll get in your car on that same 405 freeway. I hope there's no potholes, and you'll come to Cedar sinai It'll be my pleasure to help you. All right, Brian? 
I'm, I'm heading your way. <laughs> uh, it, it, with your permission, I'd like to send you the, uh, the MRI. Well, I look forward to shaking your hand, and I look forward to meeting you in person. And you get that special prize because you can thank Howard Wynn. Any friend of Howard Wynn is a friend of mine, and I enjoy talking to you and meeting you, and I'm glad I was able to give you some clap revision. Listen, Brian, you're a total stranger to me right now. I want you to find a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how you'll be thanking me. I want to send you that. Uh, well, no, you don't need to send me, I, although I'm happy to receive it. You go find a total stranger today. You do so, Give one of these gifts to a total stranger today. That'll make me feel bad, and I look forward to meeting you. And thanks so much for calling. Let's go to, you want to take another call? Do the, some food. All right, let's talk about food. Steve Paulette, because it's getting uh, towards the end of the show. Here's what's fat. To all of my Armenian, I work with a lot, a lot of Armenians. You know how you say good morning in Armenian? Bari Luz. So to all the weekend warriors that are Armenian, Bari Luz. Here's what's fascinating. I knew I'd be talking to Kurt Sandoval today, and I knew he's a storyteller. And that's why I talked about Casey Kasem and Warner Wolf, my great storytellers in my lifetime in art and in sports, in addition to Kurt Sandoval. But I thought about food, because this week, my office manager, Adriana, said, Dr. Clapper, I'm in a lot of trouble. I said, what's the matter? My husband, he's addicted to this new thing I got him from, Trader Joe's. I said, uh-oh, because now I'm going to get addicted. She said, I know. What is it? She says, well, you know how Trader Joe's perfected? My mouth is watering already. The Reese's peanut butter cup? They put their own spin on it. Instead of milk chocolate, they make the Reese's peanut butter cup with dark chocolate. And whatever the peanut butter concoction they did, it's amazing. I said, yeah, I'm fully aware. I have boxes of this stuff. I'm addicted to that. She goes, well, then I got bad news for you. I said, what? Trader Joe's has done it again. I said, what did they do now? I'm like, literally, my blood pressure's going up. She says, they've gone after Almond Joy. Oh, my God. What did they do to the Almond Joy? She says, they perfected the Almond Joy. They put the Trader Joe's spin on it. It's got the almond. It's got the coconut. It's got the chocolate. Yeah, I, my husband's addicted to it. So I'm thinking to myself, Almond Joy. So I looked it up. And, of course, I went for research. If you go on my Twitter account, at Dr. Robert Clapper, you're going to see the Almond Joy and Mounds Bar that I got yesterday after I did surgery. I figured, all right, I'll have part of one today, part of one today. Okay. By the time I got home, before I ate dinner, I ate the king-size package, which you'll see in the Twitter picture and on Instagram, of the Almond Joy Bar. And I also ate the Mounds Bar. Why? Because Almond Joy is milk chocolate and Mounds is dark chocolate. I figured, you know, Robbie, you just had the milk chocolate. You know, it's a different kind of thing. You should probably have them both just for research, for education, for the show tomorrow. So let me tell you something. So I looked up on Wikipedia the story of Almond Joy and Mounds. This is where the Armenian connection comes from. Who knew? In 1919, an Armenian immigrant... Peter Paul Halogian got a job in America. I think it was in a rubber company, a rubber factory, tire factory, something like that. But on the side, 
he opened a candy store. And what does he notice? That after World War I, this is 1919, right? World War I is over. The government, as part of the rations, gave chocolate bars to the army men. And he's saying to himself, hmm, that's a pretty good deal to get. So he decides to start a candy company. He laps off his Armenian last name, Halogian, and calls the candy company Peter Paul Candy Company. He gets five other Armenians. One of them is his cousin. One's like a brother-in-law. And forms this candy company, six Armenian immigrants. And they start the Peter Paul Candy Company. They then end up adopting the Mounds Bar. So listen to this. During World War II, Peter Paul Halogian and his company are selling to the U.S. government to put in their rations. For people like my father who fought in World War II, guess what he got as part of his rations? Five million Mounds Bars a month. His company is blowing up. What does he decide to do in 1943, in the middle of World War II? He takes something that Cadbury Schweppes, a big chocolate company in, in Europe, where they made something called a dream bar, which was coconut and chocolate and an almond. And he makes his own version called the Almond Joy. And in 19, during World War II, while he's selling five million Mounds bars a month to the government to put in the army rations, was born the Almond Joy Bar. So if you're Armenian and you're listening to this, this show and you're driving around or you're listening to your, this show, I have a personal thank you for creating one of the most delicious things you could ever put in your mouth is an Almond Joy Bar oh, yeah. and it's Armenian roots. I just love it because Los Angeles is filled with hardworking, beautiful Armenian people. Next week, what are we going to talk about next week? I called Jared Abrams. I said, Jared, growing up, my dad made me have an egg every morning, which I still do, and grapefruit juice. This was something. He got this mishigas in his head that I had to have grapefruit juice and an egg every morning. So next week, we're talking about grapefruits from Florida from a place in Florida called Indian River, the greatest pink grapefruits in the world. I got a farmer calling in from Florida. You don't want to miss that. Until then, I leave you with volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying. Until next week, I'll see you on the radio. Volare.